Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. King Charles is under pressure abroad as well as at home. Donald Trump gets shot down by Princess Diana's brother, and Oprah Winfrey has some advice for Harry and Meghan. I'm Jack Royston, Newsweek's chief royal correspondent, and this is Newsweek's Royal Report. Hello listeners and welcome to the show. The coronation is less than two months away and the eyes of the world will fall on Britain and its royal family once again. But there are, however, some awkward polling numbers for King Charles. And they come from the Commonwealth realms. Now, what is a Commonwealth realm? It is not the same thing as a country of the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth is like a big partnership of nations, 54 in fact, and anyone can kind of come and go. Uh, what we're talking about here is countries around the world that count Charles as their king, as their head of state. Um, there are 15 in total, including Britain, and some in the Caribbean have already indicated a desire to cut ties with the monarchy, basically to hold independence um, referendum and give the people the chance to decide whether they continue to hold this link to Britain. Now, the future of the Commonwealth Rames has been an explosive question for a long time. Obviously, listeners, regular listeners of this show will have heard all about Prince William and Kate Middleton's tour of three countries in the Caribbean, Jamaica, Belize and the Bahamas. It happened almost exactly a year ago. Uh, and it did not go particularly well. It was thought by many to be a PR disaster. What's new though now is that Canada and Australia both seem to be swinging away from the monarchy. And this is according to recent polling. So in Canada this month, a piece of research suggested 19% of Canadians wanted to remain a monarchy, while 44% wanted an elected head of state. So that's more than double in favour of breaking with the British crown. And it's not just Canada either. In Australia, too, 39% supported removing King Charles as head of state, while 31% opposed such a move, and that was in January. And those figures as well were very slightly worse, a few percentage points worse than in September. So here is how the pieces on the chessboard are currently stacked. You've got multiple countries in the Caribbean wanting to break with the monarchy uh, and intending to hold votes. Uh, the nature of those debates has tended to revolve around Britain's colonial history and the monarchy obviously has its own historic links to slavery many hundreds of years ago. Of course, not um, Charles himself or any of the current royals. At the same time, monarchy holds less currency in countries like Canada and Australia than it might have done once. And, you know, those are two countries where perhaps the legacy of colonialism isn't quite so potent, although there have been recent scandals in Canada. And then even in Britain, support for keeping the royal family remains strong across the country as a whole. But there are signs there could be a potential crisis in the future, and that is because the youngest people within the polling demographic, so that's 18 to 24-year-olds, um, now by a majority uh, favour abolishing the monarchy, so more than 50%, and that is polling done by YouGov in January. So Gen Z appear to be swinging against monarchy. 
Just 5% of 18 to 24-year-olds in Britain felt very positive about the monarchy, and that was compared to more than 20% who felt very negative. So I'm trying to think through all of this and ask myself what Charles could possibly do to dig the royal family out of this situation. And now I don't want to underestimate the extent to which older British people are very pro-monarchy. They are. And that means that overall across the whole of Britain, you know, there's no chance in the next kind of few years, probably not even the next 10 years of Britain voting to remove the monarch. 20 years? That's a different question. 30 years? Somewhat more likely. Um, So what can Charles do? Well, some aspects of this kind of terrain and landscape in front of him are pretty much unmovable. Privilege has gone hard out of fashion, you know, not just because of debates about social justice, but also there's an economic backdrop to it as well, which is that times have got tough, particularly for young people who are under more pressure um, in their jobs, but they're at the same time, they're suffering from wages shrinking in real terms. So even when wages aren't actually going down, the money that young people are getting paid is not buying them as much as it used to. Britain is currently going through a cost of living crisis and monarchy is about celebrating an aspect of the rich at a time when a lot of culture has, you know, very anti-rich narratives. So the monarchy is also not about to get any less linked to the history of slavery and colonialism anytime soon either. You know, there is one thing, though, that Charles does have in his back pocket which could help, and that is his record on climate change. Now, across the whole of the debate, whether you are a staunch royalist or whether you are an ardent Republican, I don't think there's anybody who really seriously, genuinely, credibly doubts Charles's authenticity in his climate campaigning. Like Some people might say that he didn't achieve very much, but nobody would doubt for a minute that he was serious, precisely because... He was banging the drum for fighting climate change, for protecting the environment at a point when it really wasn't very fashionable and when he was getting a lot of criticism for it. So with that in mind, people obviously believe that this is his authentic opinion. Now, right now, I think it's probably fair to say that the situation with Charles and the British government and climate has been, at the very least, tense because Charles was obviously not allowed to go to COP this year after, or in 2022 rather, after he had been a kind of standout star of COP26 in 2021 and that was in Britain. However, if you believe the current polls in Britain, then the current Conservative government might not actually be in power for too much longer. Now, nobody obviously knows what the future holds and a general election will most likely happen at the earliest in 2024. Anything could happen between now and then. However, the opposition Labour Party seem much more serious about tackling climate change head on. So if that were to happen and Labour were to get elected and Labour were to call a kind of climate emergency, which is what some campaigners want, and create an atmosphere in the country that was not unlike the one during COVID, where it really was almost a kind of wartime mobilisation in support of tackling the coronavirus, if if Labour were to do that with the climate crisis, then 
Charles could kind of almost walk in the Queen's footsteps and in the same way that the Queen, you know, those of you who have been following the royal family may well remember the incredibly moving and rousing speech she gave in the very early days of the pandemic, which was partly based on her own life experience because she linked the fights against COVID to her experiences in the war. And she said, you know, this generation is as strong as any, you know, as strong as the generation that lived through World War II and therefore we will survive. Now, Charles could try to do something similar, you know, with this background that he has fighting climate change and fighting to protect the environment. He could be the kind of the figure of leadership for Britain in a world where we descend into a kind of almost a a warlike footing on climate. Now, obviously, this might not happen. I'm not saying for a minute that it definitely will. But the warnings on climate at the moment are so serious that it is entirely possible that the government could go that way. Aside from that, what else is there? I guess the younger generation coming through could help the royal family, by which I mean William and Kate's children. Um, Prince George, obviously, is, you know, he's the oldest of the three, is still a young boy, nonetheless, not even in secondary school, and won't realistically be a working royal until he's in his 20s. So you're talking, you know, a good kind of 15 years, by which time a lot of you know, if if there is going to continue to be a groundswell of anti-monarchy sentiment among young people in 15 years' time, if the tide doesn't turn back by then, a lot of it might already have bedded in. And you've got to remember that part of the strength of the monarchy is its ability to unite the country. So it's not enough for the royals to carry public opinion by a few percentage points or a kind of 52-48 split. As soon as the monarchy ceases to be a unifying force in society and becomes a divisive sort of force in society, it will lose a lot of its power. One of the big things that Britain gains and benefits from by having a royal family is that you have this kind of area of the state that's semi-politics, semi-history, semi-something you know something else that's not quite celebrity, uh, but isn't partisan. It's not party political. So it gets us out of the kind of constant shouting match of politics. We, we have a head of state who isn't detested automatically by half the country and loved by the other half. You know, we have somebody, the idea is everybody can get behind. Now, obviously, Republicans would object to that because they are anti-monarchy. But historically, you know, the Queen enjoyed huge, huge, hugely positive um, approval ratings. So if the monarchy gets to a point where it's it's a divisive or seen as a divisive uh, force in society, it will already have lost a lot of its magic. So that, I suppose, leaves William and Kate. Um, and the a lot is in their hands. And if this does prove to wind up being, let's say this crisis materialises, which is absolutely not for definite, but let's say it does, if it's on a kind of 20-year clock or a 30-year clock, then a lot of the burden for solving it is realistically going to fall on William. Okay, so now we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, a reminder to rate and review The Royal Report in Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you get your favourite shows. And when I'm back, Donald Trump is taking fire for exploiting his connection with Princess Diana. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Now, Donald Trump has upset a lot of people in his time, and there's a new name on the list this week, and that name is Charles Spencer, Princess Diana's brother. So, this all relates to the former president's new book, which is due to be published this week, and it is titled Letters to Trump. In it, he publishes a whole series of letters notable people have sent him over the years. This includes the Queen and, of course, Princess Diana. Now, I'll give the full background in just a minute, but what seems to have particularly got to Spencer is some comments made by Trump in an interview with Breitbart in which he spoke about the various people whose letters he's publishing. He said, I knew all of them and every one of them kissed my ass. Now, Charles Spencer has a slightly different take on his sister's feelings about Trump. Um, brace yourself because he didn't mince his words. Um, he wrote on Twitter, surprised to hear that Donald Trump is apparently claiming that my late sister Diana wanted to kiss his ass. Since the one time she mentioned him to me when he was using her good name to sell some real estate in New York, she clearly viewed him as worse than an, this is the bit where you brace yourself, anal fisher. So clearly not holding back with that riposte. But essentially, this is just the latest in a long line of incidents involving Donald Trump that have reportedly upset the royal family. Back in the 90s, shortly after Princess Diane's death, he, he was being interviewed by Howard Stern on the radio. And Stern asked him, um, and again, you know, forgive my language here, it's direct quotes, not my words. Um, it, Howard Stern suggested that Trump could have nailed her. And Trump replied, I think I could have. So obviously that, especially, you know, it really wasn't long after Princess Diana's death. That would have caused a huge amount of offence and distress uh, among the royal family, but also, you know, also among the Spencer family too. And it's not just Diana. Uh, When Kate Middleton, uh, people may remember, she was photographed sunbathing topless in a private chateau in France by a French woman's magazine. And, you know, it was a big scandal at the time. Um, William and Kate sued the magazine. They ultimately won a privacy payout in the courts in France. Trump, at the time that it happened, um, said that Kate only had herself to blame and shouldn't have been sunbathing topless, even though she was in privacy. She was in a kind of walled-off chateau. The only way the photographer managed to get the pictures was by standing on a hill hundreds of metres away and using a very, very powerful zoom lens, uh, which was able to see over the wall because of the hill. So that instant, according to the royal biographer Christopher Anderson, who's actually been a guest on the Royal Report, so some listeners may remember him, he said that that sparked a torrent of profanity from Harry, William and Charles. They were furious about it, obviously, because they were upset on Kate's behalf at the time. Um, And so now Trump has basically done it again, only uh, the thing here that I can't get my head around is that when he was president, he seemed to love the royals and spoke incredibly highly of them. And yet he does all these things that offend and upset them all the time. So some would say that if you like a group of people that much, perhaps it's better not to trigger them into torrents of profanity all the time. Uh, But, uh, you know, I guess that's just me. Anyway, Letters to Trump, for those who want to read it, is out on April the 25th. 
And on that note, I'm going to take one more quick break. But before I do, just a reminder to follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jack underscore Royston, and you will find all of my latest stories for Newsweek. Now, when I'm back, Oprah Winfrey has been asked whether she thinks Harry and Meghan should go to the coronation. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Now, Oprah must get asked about Harry and Meghan all the time since the interview in 2021, and you could forgive her for getting a bit fed up of it. She was asked most recently, however, live on CBS. Gail King was interviewing Oprah and um, asked her whether the Sussexes should go to Britain for King Charles's coronation. Oprah replied, I think they should do what they feel is best for them and their family. That's what I think. That's what the bottom line comes down to. What do you feel like is the right thing for you? And she added, they haven't asked me my opinion. Now, this is obviously a slightly cagey response, arguably. I don't know whether Oprah didn't want to be asked or whether she just feels she's not in a position to say. It certainly doesn't sound like she's got Harry and Meghan on speed dial right now. Certainly not anymore, anyway. Um, Another possibility, though, I I feel like maybe Oprah must know there's a risk of her being viewed as a kind of unofficial spokesperson for Harry and Meghan if she gives her opinion too readily and if she's always kind of popping up um, articulating what they might think and feel without them having to speak for themselves. And she obviously has absolutely glittering reputation. She is perhaps as close as America gets to royalty. And that reputation long precedes the interview of Harry and Meghan. So maybe, you know, the sparse, pared-down response she gave is also just about preserving her own status as a star in her own right, um, rather than somebody who's in orbit of Harry and Meghan. Uh, And, you know, in fairness, like, who can blame her? I mean, from her point of view, you know, she, from the point of view of American society, she's the royal in the room. And on that note, that is it for this episode of The Royal Report. So be sure to join me every week when I visit the latest royal headlines, embark on some royal deep dives and riff on all things royal. Until next time, I'm Jack Royston. Thanks for listening, everyone, and a curtsy to you all. Being a staple in American media for over 90 years, Newsweek now brings you an exceptional lineup of podcasts. The debate. They'll recognize how these policies aren't working. They'll feel the pain and they'll change their behavior. The Josh Hammer Show. Restore the principles and the political paradigms of the American founding. The Crystal Knight Show. Just because officers are black doesn't mean that the policing system still isn't inherently racist. Fast women. Chevy's actually doing really well and Honda's really not. Wow. It's like the opposite of most people's perception of them. It is. The parting shot. Every year when the new nominations are announced, I get this excited, nostalgic feeling, and it brings out that little kid in me who just loved movies. The Royal Report. Harry and Meghan's head of comms has announced they now move forward to their kind of future outside the royal family. Newsweek Podcasts. New episodes drop weekly. Download or listen now at Newsweek.com or wherever you get your podcasts.